0: Good morning everyone. Good morning if you're watching online. I've just been joining in the chat online a moment ago. I wasn't uh, checking the terrible uh, sports results from yesterday. Uh, the rugby was great, football horrible. Um, but I was just saying hello to the people online. So, so uh, Welcome to you. And yeah, we're in a season. I love that song, uh, magnifying Jesus. We want to magnify Jesus, don't we? I was thinking that um, as Tim was just sharing about our finance. Uh, You know, as we look into next year, we've actually got a really significant gap. We've got uh, a, you know, we're looking ahead to a year of full activity uh, but coming off the back of a year of restricted income because of covid that, that's not a surprise no one you know that's the reality that we're working in but there is a massive gap and you can either magnify a massive gap uh, or you can magnify jesus can't you and his amazing provision because we also by the way put a roof on the on the building didn't we just his timing was perfect just before covid hit so and uh, yeah, today as we think about prayer, we want to magnify Jesus because we're coming in towards the end of our, end of our time together. Um, shall I tell you, what, what, I wonder, what's your key signal that Christmas is coming? I, I have one and it really annoys me that this is the thing that actually makes me feel kind of Christmassy. What, what, what makes you feel kind of Christmassy? Um, I saw it on telly yesterday for the first time, this, this thing. It really bugs me that this is, you know, I ought to be looking forward to Advent Sunday next week and Advent Cray, I'd love to come and make a wreath, I oh, I'm itching to do that really. Um, it's the Coke advert, was that it for you as well, Nobby? Thank you. You know the lorries with the lights, you know, coming? I saw it for the first time, you know, yesterday, the Coke advert of all the lorries, you know, co- it, Do they actually sing Coca-Cola is coming or anyway, you know? Isn't isn't that frustrating? I mean, you know, come on, here I am meant to know something a little bit about kind of being a Christian, you know, along the way. And uh, yeah, I ought to be looking forward to, you know, whatever prayer service we ought to be doing, you know, and it's the Coke advert. It's coming. It's coming. It is coming. And and this is the end of our of our little thing, as Tim was saying on saying on our our prayer series. Last time, I'm just going to remind you of the journey that that we've been on, and we're going. We'll put this slide up. Thanks, Harry. Um, just here's a little reminder of the journey and where we are, and we're going to end. And we're going to end on on yeah a subject where we could magnify the wrong things, but we're going to magnify Jesus. So here we go, um, Pete. Uh, Greg, this book, How to Pray, P-R-A-Y. If we can just leave it up there, Harry, a second. Thank you. So pause is R-P. So I wonder where are you at that? I mean, there's a kind of slight pause moment, isn't there, before Christmas comes, um, and it's part of prayer. Pete was reminding us to slow and centre. R was for rejoicing. Tim's already said that. We're, We're led into the courts of the Lord, says the scripture. We're led into God's presence through rejoicing and thanksgiving. And then A for asking. We thought about those different dynamics and the seminar that Hills is leading on that last one, unanswered prayer. And then Y for yielding or saying yes to God. And we thought a little bit last week about contemplation and listening. And we thought a little bit about um, confession and reconciliation. And today we're on spiritual warfare. So let's let's move move on. Thanks, Harry, so much. So we're on we're on this last part of saying yes to God, and we're on this, this topic of, of spiritual warfare. Pete Greg, I reminded, I said last week in his book, talks about this last section, P-R-A-Y, yielding as as being the the, the final step is is of surrender in prayer. That's, that's what's going on when we follow this pattern that Jesus gave to us when the disciples said, how do I pray? That was their one question. Do you remember a few weeks ago, I think it might have even been Tim, who said, what was the one thing they wanted to know about? What was the the desire that they had? It was to know how to use the gift that God has given to us for relationship, for how to magnify everything that is good and is therefore of God." and therefore everything else to diminish and reduce. It's a, it's a prayer, and the final why, yield, is, is surrender, yielding to God's presence. Um, I love uh, a, little, a little prayer that I came across the, the other day. Um, Dear Lord, so far today I've done all right. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been very nasty, greedy, overbearing, selfish, or obnoxious. I'm really glad I've accomplished all of these things on my own. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to get out of bed. And from that point on, I'm going to need all the help I can get. Oh, Amen. Do, do you feel that, I wonder? So, yes, the end of the Lord's Prayer. And this topic today, spiritual warfare. here's what Jesus says, doesn't he in Matthew 6:13, "Lead us not into temptation, deliver us from the evil one." I've got a challenge this morning, haven't I, to kind of almost have the right look on my face, I think, with this topic. Because, because I'm going to do a lot of smiling. I'm going to do a lot of kind of positivity. I'm going to do a lot of magnifying God and his goodness, I hope, even as I talk about this most serious of topics. But as I do that, it's quite hard to adopt the right face because I don't want us to underestimate the significance of spiritual warfare. I don't want us to not be aware of the bigger picture that there is, and that we've got to be, got to be so conscious of this morning. I hope I can do justice to this topic. I hope, on the the one hand, I can absolutely help us have some wisdom on this. Recognise that this last part of the dance of prayer is absolutely crucial. Absolutely crucial to every single one of us, but in a way that does not magnify the evil one, the enemy, but magnifies Jesus, because that ultimately is the prayer. But the Bible is really clear, and Jesus was really clear, there is a battle that is going on. There's a kingdom ruled by God. The kingdom has come. The the kingdom is near. The kingdom is with us. Wherever in a person's life, wherever in a a church, wherever in a a society, God's right rule is being exercised. God is, is king of my life, king of our life. Wherever he is being magnified, there's that kingdom that reality, living as a saint, not not a sinner, waiting to see if you're going to get to the other end and it's all going to be okay in the future, but right now, living in the light of God's love and in his fullness and with his life coursing through your veins being magnified as a battle between that territory, that rule, that right way of being, and evil. The forces of evil who are led by the enemy, and that's the literal meaning of the name Satan. The writer C.S. Lewis, Narnia and all those lovely books and then made into films said there's no neutral territory. There's no neutral territory. And of course, it's one of the strategies of the enemy to make us think that there is. It's one of the strategies of the enemy to desensitize us. I sometimes talk about coming to faith, my own story of coming to faith and becoming a follower of Jesus as moving from seeing the world in black and white to seeing the world in full colour HD. To be more alive. More alive. But of course that means more alive to the reality of all things, the, the kingdom of God's right rule, but also the reality of the one who would steal, the one who would take away. We don't emphasise Satan's power, though we don't need to emphasise, we don't need to give him more airtime than he would already want. There is a danger, John Paul Jackson in a book, Needless Casualties of War, talking about spiritual warfare, says there's a danger of letting the enemy subtly become bigger, in our minds, actually, than God, even as we're trying to do the right thing, even as we're trying to think about about battle. Just briefly, why is there evil in, in our world? It's Actually, in the same category, in a sense, isn't it? We don't have to explain to anyone what true love looks like. If I said this to someone on an on a Alpha course th- this week, actually, I was just chatting to I said, you know, how do you explain the fact that people don't have to, you know, you don't have to have true love explained to you. You know it when you see it. Well, in the same way, we, we see evil when we see it, don't we? Why is there evil? Some people will try and tell you that evil is simply the absence of some good. The absence of love, the absence of morality, the absence of of health. But that's not what Scripture says. That's not what God has told us. That is inadequate as explanation. Our understanding as Christians, as followers of Jesus, is that evil is a reality. We know it's somehow connected to the freedom that we have on this earth. And in fact, that the whole of creation is being given, that evil is, is an inevitability. Sadly, there's a, a tradition from Augustine, one of the uh, tr- fathers of our faith, as a tradition which uh, is so strong in our thinking about how evil is the, the other side of the coin of freedom of will, freedom of choice. And actually, that that natural disasters, those things we see around us that we would call natural disasters, are linked to moral evil as well. There's a connection. Paul in Scripture says that the whole of creation is, is groaning. The whole of creation is out of balance. The whole of creation is out of kilter because of the fall, because of the choices that ultimately humanity is made greed another father of our faith Irenaeus talked about more about the future perspective and the kind of the work of of actually in a sense that you have to have this mixture of good and bad you have to have evil for good to be good bad has to be bad and we can see, can't we, how so often in what we might look at and others in the world, we look at natural disaster and natural suffering and, and see how human wrong choices exacerbate, make it worse. We see that with climate issues at the moment. I don't know why God has done things the way that God has done things. I don't know ultimately, you know, whether or not in heaven, when I'm in his presence, I'll even be bothered about some of the questions that deeply, deeply concern me now about suffering and evil. I I don't know. Perhaps for heaven to be heaven, those questions won't even be in my mind any longer. But yes, God has allowed this world to be like this world, he's given the reality of freedom of choice there's an integrity in creation which he respects and there are many things that i can't understand and i can't explain but i have a sense of the choice that there is there's a choice when it comes to evil and when it comes to to suffering i want to pray I want to be in the fight whatever that would look like and I'm going to say a bit more about that there is no neutral territory are you up for being in the fights are you up for praying need to be wise Scripture tells us this, Ephesians 6 tells us, uh, 6.12, that there are principalities and and powers. So there are divisions within evil. Evil is certainly not just some impersonal force. It has particularity. It has personification. You can be in the presence of evil and and feel it in a very personal and real way. I've, I've experienced that. There is though an authority and a calling that comes from Jesus for certain parts of this battling and certain parts of this fight. We, we have to be careful. There are, there's a whole industry about trying to map demonic and evil forces and categorize different parts of, of the enemy's work and evil. We have to be really careful about that. Scripture does clearly talk about there being different powers and different forces, and clearly they have different realms of authority in the, in the battle that is before us. What we need to recognise is that we're called and commissioned by Jesus to fight the battle in this earthly realm, here on earth. Kingdom come on earth as in heaven. Loads more I could say about that, but... Let's be careful about over-interpretation, over-mapping. Let's be careful about giving the devil more airtime than he needs. But let's also be wise to fight the battles that God gives to us. And there are warnings that we need to be wary about trying to take on things that are not ours. The enemy has certain strategies that we need to be conscious of. The enemy is the, the father of lies. The enemy is the one who is the God of this age and has blinded the minds of people. The enemy can disguise himself as an angel of light, we read in 2 Corinthians. And Jesus in John eight forty four says... To those planning to kill him, you are of your father the devil, and your will is to do your father the devil's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. The enemy, father of lies, the enemy blinds from the truth. The enemy can disguise, actually, as good as an angel of light, but the enemy is ultimately a murderer. The ultimate enemy is death. Let's be real about the battle. There is no neutral territory. But here's the story. Here's why I have a smile on my face. Here's why... I can stand before you wanting to magnify Jesus because, friends, our story is the story of the cross. We are saints, made saints by God. We're not sinners waiting to to be saved. In Jesus, we take up our authority to pray when we pray, as Hills was reminding us, we're, we're in this, yes, this gap in the kingdom between the now of the kingdom of heaven, God's right rule in our lives, and the not yet that is coming into being. The, the war has ultimately been won on the cross, and we are in the mopping up battles as horrific and as horrible as they can be. The theologian Tom Wright says that when we pray the end of the Lord's Prayer, as we've just looked at, when we pray the words that Jesus gives us, we are inhaling the victory of the cross. When we pray, deliver us from evil, we are inhaling the victory of the cross. We're holding the line, we're standing on ground that God has given to us. Hebrews 2.14, Christ took on human nature that through death he might destroy him who has the power of death. That is the the devil, the evil one. Colossians 2.15, God disarmed the principalities and powers and made a public example of them, triumphing over them in him, in Jesus, on the cross. This is the truth. This is the truth in which we live and breathe. the battle though is real and god wants us god wants us to engage engage on this earth to contend for the things of the kingdom there is no neutral territory perhaps you know this sharply already perhaps you have or are even experiencing lies or deception perhaps you've experienced something that you kind of know just doesn't smell quite right it does feel too good to be true perhaps you have a sense of physical or spiritual or emotional death the opposite of life in its fullness but even if you don't the battle is real and we need, to, we need to pray as we've been called to pray. <laughs> there was a, a child's Superman costume for, for sale uh, in a shop recently and it had on the, on the label, the wearing of this garment does not enable you to fly. We have to use the Lord's equipment, don't we, for the battle. Here we go. Three things that Pete Gregg suggests, which I think are really help- helpful in in thinking about what's really going on. Diagnosis, prognosis, prescription. I think they're three helpful steps. What strategies are at work in this situation that I'm sensing the need to pray into? I'm, I'm feeling a burden to pray? Are there, are, there, are there lies? Is there a blinding that is going on from the truth? Is, is there some deceit and disguise going on? Something looks good, but it's not good. Is this ultimately leading to, to death or is it ultimately going to lead to life? There's a, a diagnosis that we do with the power of the Holy Spirit, the leading of God, the Holy Spirit within us wisely. The prognosis. What's God's desire and plan in this situation? What's God's best for this person, this situation that I'm praying into? Whether we're we're talking about the the power of evil being expressed on global terms or just right in our own personal lives in a relationship that has gone badly wrong. This is not lifting up every rock to try and find the, the, the devil. This is just allowing God to be God in our lives. And then prescription. What can I do? It goes back to what I was saying about the different sense of different powers and different scales of evil expressing itself. And yes, different senses of authority. You know, in a church family like ours, there are some things which I as the leader and Tim as a leader, we're called to. We, there are battles that we're called to fight. Those will be different to the battles that you might be called to fight. So we say, God, what's my bit in this? And we have the armour of God. Many of us will know this. I'm not going to go into too much detail, but Ephesians six ten to 18. We'll just put these up. You may or may not be able to see that, but uh, let me just read the passage, and then while that's on, you'll uh, perhaps be able to connect some of the words if I amplify them for you uh, in a moment. Paul says to the Ephesians, doesn't he, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armour of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all of the saints. The belt of truth, protection around the, the very centres of our being is the imagery. The breastplate of righteousness, that's covering back and front. The sandals of the gospel of peace, uh, stability, readiness is the imagery from the Roman soldier Their Stability, cleats on the bottom of their sandals. Shield of faith, protection against attack. Doubts, accusations, deceits. The helmet of salvation that God gives us to to wear is the assurance in Jesus' power. And the sword of the Spirit, the powerful weapon, the word of God that we can wield. Again, John Paul Jackson in that book, Needless Casualty of War, says, We need to be really careful that we battle in prayer Christ's way not the devil's way. We need to battle Christ's way, not the devil's way. We don't need to be shouting. We don't need to be aggressive. We don't need to be deceitful. We don't need to do any of the tactics of the enemy, but we rebuke as Jesus did calmly in our in our prayer we pray purposefully we don't have to shout and scream we can just pray purposefully your kingdom come your will be done on earth let lies be removed let light shine let 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 the truth flow let life come in this situation we're seeking god's power not our own we're not trying to put on a spider suit and pretend that we're suddenly a super person We have the power within. Some of us will know from our Old Testaments, Daniel in Babylon and and Babylon as an empire represented so much that was dark and so much that was difficult. There were so many powers arrayed against Daniel. And what did he do? He repented first. So critical in spiritual warfare. We'll be doing it if we're following the pattern of the Lord's Lord's prayer. Prayer. We repent first. He fasted, didn't he? He took the time with God and then he prayed. I love the little saying, the greatest oak was once a little nut that held its ground. The greatest oak is a little nut that held its ground. I don't mind being a little nut God, if I could become a great oak, if I could plant my feet. Repent, be real with God about where I am, and invite his power. I love someone else who said, memo to me from God today, starts, I am God, Today, I will be handling all your problems. James 4:7, resist the devil and he will flee from you. If we yield in prayer, if it's part of our pattern of prayer that we're following, all that we've been thinking about, if we resist the devil in God's power, he will flee from us, is the promise. John Wimber, who led the the vineyard movement, said, it's better to plant seeds than to pull weeds. It's better to plant seeds than to try and pull weeds. God shows us a weed to pull, that's fine, that's his business. But let's be planting seeds. Let's be planting in our prayers. Numbers 13, again from our Old Testament, when, uh, when they, uh, they're sending, they're going, looking to go into the promised land, and they send 12, don't they? 12 spies to go into the promised land, one from each, each tribe. You know the story, don't you? The spies return, and 10 of them say, We've seen these giants. And two say, But in God's power, we can overcome. Don't focus on the giants. Focus on God's power. Who are you going to magnify? What are you going to magnify in your prayer? Because the end of the prayer is here, isn't it? For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Everything is ultimately under God's power. You think your prayer is just a drop in the ocean Maybe Mother Teresa of Calcutta famously said, didn't she? The ocean is made up of many drops. Friends, we only need to be little nuts that hold our ground, and God will grow mighty oaks. Amen. Amen. Because that's how the prayer finishes full circle. P-R-A-Y, back to praise.